Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about biblical counseling and the worship service. When Christians hear about biblical counseling for the first time, they often mistakenly believe that biblical counseling is some sort of clinical addition to the local church where we send people when they have really big problems in life. But the truth is, the Bible presents biblical counseling and discipleship as the church's culture. Discipleship is the goal that ought to influence and guide every aspect of what a church is and does. Every ministry, from the nursery to the pulpit and everything in between, including the main corporate gathering that we typically call the worship service. And that's why I'm so thankful to have in the studio today my good friend and fellow brother pastor, Brent Osterberg. Brent is the preaching pastor at Living Hope Bible Church in Mansfield, Texas, here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He is also a counselor with the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Brent is here today to talk with us about how biblical counseling specifically relates to the worship service in the local church. So Brent, uh, so good to have you back on the podcast. Appreciate you being here uh, to have this conversation. What a joy to be here again. Thanks, Keith, for having me on. So how does biblical counseling and discipleship relate to the church's corporate worship service? Well, I think that uh, somebody might expect me to be a passionate about the worship service because I'm a preacher. Right? Of course, he's going to be thinking that this is helpful for everybody because he's and this is key to his job. But it's not just that. I really do think that this, the worship service itself is integral when it comes to discipleship and biblical counseling for the local church. Um, first of all, in any church where uh, the pulpit is important and where the Word of God is accurately preached, then you're going to get the Word. And so we, we do biblical counseling, right? We want uh, to make sure our people are getting more of the Word so they have more content of God's truth to put before their hearts that they can believe in and walk by faith. And so um, for any church that's doing preaching well and you encounter that in the worship service— I think that that's gold for for a counselee to to be there from week to week and to be exposed to a, a good solid message where it's being explained and applied to the heart. I think um, if if a preacher is is doing his job, he's applying the scriptures and uh, taking that that content that he's explained and saying this is what you need to do. This is how uh, this is how you need to respond to this text. Well, that's that's counseling. There's a, there's a sense in which counseling is done from the pulpit, mm-hmm. and so they're encountering that in addition to what uh, they might be encountering in a in a coffee shop with their counselor or in the in the office. So I would say that uh, it relates in that way first of all, but also um, as we've kind of said in in counseling circles. Uh, when someone comes to biblical counseling, they come to their counselor for their, their weekly meeting. It's not the magic hour. Like Everything's going to change because you came one hour a week to meet with your counselor. Uh, counseling has to be uh, going on throughout the week as, as you are studying the scriptures, as you're memorizing scripture, you're doing the homework, as, as you're encountering other people in the body of Christ, but also as you come to worship service. And, and so uh, you need to draw near to God as an individual during the week, but also corporately with his people on Sunday. And the effect of that upon your heart is, uh, it, it's, it's huge for, for you to be able to respond in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. 
because he, he did save us into relationship with him, but also into relationship with the body of Christ. And we cannot have the health um, that we need spiritually without that, without that dynamic element of uh, corporate worship and um, relating to the other members of the body of Christ. Um, I, I would say as well, it relates because it's a matter of obedience. How can you be obedient to the Lord if you're not in the worship service, sitting under the word, and, and also um, seeking to worship with your other brothers and sisters in Christ and, and minister to them as well. It's not just what happens necessarily in the, 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 during the formal aspects of that worship service, but what happens before and after, too. Um, I, I, love, I love Charles Spurgeon. He uh, asks in response to someone who says they can be a Christian without church, he asks this question. He says, are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient. And certainly the one another commandments play into mm-hmm. being at church on Sunday. You know, encourage one another, exhort one another, admonish one another. Mm-hmm. If we're going to be obedient, we need to be there. And that matters for the spiritual health of your counselees as well. So you're saying that, that biblical counseling as a movement, as we see it in Scripture, is not about just this one hour a week meeting, but you're saying it's part of the overall church's ministry and strategy that being in the corporate worship service, being involved in the body of Christ is an integral part of growing and changing beyond even the formal counseling. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, all the of the things you encounter on a Sunday morning, and, and maybe it's a Sunday night, I, I get that there are different times for worship services, but um, what, what do you encounter? A means of grace. Um, not just the preaching, but the prayers and the, the singing. In Colossians, um, we we get the in, in chapter three, Paul talks about the, how there's there is a, a, um, a horizontal element to our singing, you know, with our hymns and spiritual songs, right? We first and foremost we sing to the Lord, but we are also calling one another mm-hmm. to to believe these things and to to act upon these things in our singing. So that's a means of grace. Giving is a means of grace. Uh, the fellowship is a means of grace. Why would we deny ourselves? Um, these channels for God to pour into us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. Well, you and I are local church pastors, and so we think a lot about the worship service. How can the work, worship service and, and those like us who plan worship services, how can the worship service promote discipleship and spiritual growth? Well, as I've already said, I think that um, a, a sermon urges a response. Um, you, you see in the scriptures when, when Paul is, is preaching, he's urging for a response. When Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he's preaching, he wants, uh, he wants a response, right? And so it's not just information. Steve Lawson talks about preaching. Preaching is, uh, the goal of it's not just information, it's transformation. Hmm. So you, that's, that's important, right? Um, we, we want in our preaching for people to change, leave different than you came in. Um, you ha- now have to steward this information. You have to steward what you have been given, and uh, so by the power of the Spirit, walk in faith to what you have received on that Sunday morning. So I would say that with regard to the preaching of the Word. Uh, I think that the health of a church um, rises and falls based on the preaching of the Word. I mean, that's not all that's necessary for the health of a church, but it is central. And so that's, that's extremely important. And um, I, I like what Donald Whitney talks about when he, when he talks about uh, listening to recordings of sermons at home. And his book, uh, Spiritual Disciplines for the, the Church, he, he says this. He says, uh, for one thing, inherent in the convenience of media preaching is the ability to turn it off if the message becomes too uncomfortable or uninteresting. 
Sometimes what is uncomfortable or what seems uninteresting proves to be exactly what we need to hear. When we control the messenger and thus the message, we often miss that which God would have us hear, but which we would never choose. A lot of people might not go to church thinking, I can just listen to a sermon at home. You know, you have access to all these great preachers. You know, I say better preachers than you and I, right? That's right. You can listen yeah. to uh, from the comfort of your living room. But um, you, you're controlling that. You could say, I can turn this off anytime I want to. If I don't like what's being said, I can go on to another sermon. But God in his providence is bringing your pastor to preach that message on that Sunday morning. And that's the only message you're going to hear that Sunday morning. And God's in control of that, and you're submitting to Him in that. And there's something that that is very um, that is very transformative about that. Yeah. So I, I would say that about preaching, but it's more than that. So we can we, we can think also of using the sermon in obedience to the one another commandments of Scripture. Think about the content you've been given on a Sunday morning. You, you, now you have this time after the worship service where you get to a fellowship and engage with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, now you've got this content with which to fellowship, uh, with which to encourage them, with which to admonish them, right? So um, think of Hebrews and, and chapter 3. I'll just turn there quickly. And let's, let's think about our responsibilities to one another as Christians and how the sermon might help us to obey. So... Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. What? How can you exhort? Well, take something you heard in the sermon and exhort. Or um, a, a very um, common verse that's used when we talk about church attendance and um, going to the worship service is Hebrews 10.24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So um, you can stir up one another to love and good deeds with the sermon and also encourage them with the sermon. And then it's just ready-made content for you to obey the one another commandments of scripture and your fellowship. So counseling, like you and I know, it, it's not just happening in the counseling room. It, it happens in informal conversations at church every week if uh, the people of God are being faithful. And so... We're missing out on that if we don't come. The word preached, yes, but but also the fellowship. And we got to remember, too, not just what we receive from other people, but what we give to other people as we're being used by the power of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. So our life's not about ourselves. We are servants of God. And we we belong to Him so that we can obey His will. And so there is uh, there is something very um, there's something very healing in our and our needs, when we come to, to be counseled for our problems, there's something very healing about being the person who goes and has that conversation, asks that question, um, uh, points that person to Christ, uses that scripture and that person's life. That is getting outside of yourself and focusing on what God wants you to do and the good of the other person. God didn't make us to love ourselves. He made us to love him and others. And when you come and you're surrounded by all these people, that, that's an opportunity for you to be that that person. And that's important too, because that's part of how God grows us and changes us is not necessarily by focusing on ourselves and just our problem, but by learning to serve other people, use our spiritual gifts. And so that part of the worship service and the body of Christ is in itself uh, a part of it that promotes our own discipleship. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, We think of Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 through 16. Mm -hmm. That's one of my favorite texts of scripture on the church 
and God, what God intends for the church. So the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, uh, what, what are they given for? Um, to equip the saints mm-hmm. for the work of ministry. Right. Right? And so in that sense, we're all ministers because we're, we're doing the work of ministry. And so uh, it's not just the, this clergy mentality that we're to have, like, I'm the preacher, so I do the ministering. You know, um, my other elders is doing the work of the ministry because he's got that position. But no, we're all called to ministry. So you you get involved in what God's intention is for the building up of the, the body of Christ. You you do that work of speaking the truth in love right now after the worship service is over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, one of the things I know that, that you and I see as local pastors is uh, occasionally we have people from our communities that come for biblical counseling in our local church. And they're not a member of our church, but they come from the community somewhere. And they're coming for counseling, but they're not, they're not plugged into a local church somewhere. Uh, or other times we may see somebody who is, but when that crisis hits, uh, the church is the first thing that they often pull back from. Why are those two situations dangerous for somebody who's struggling and uh, is seeking help? That's a wonderful question. Um, I think that it's dangerous um, because, as we've said earlier, we're, we're neglecting these means of grace that God has, has given to us. Um, we do have means of grace that we in, uh, involve ourselves in during the week as individuals, as we have our personal devotions and we, we pray and we memorize scripture, those things. But that's only part of what God has for us in, in terms of the process of our sanctification. Um, being with the body of Christ is, is so important because in, in a very real sense, we need each other. And God has designed it that way, that we would need each other. So um, I need that person to sharpen me. You know, I need what that person's going to say. And I don't know I need it. That, that's the, the issue. Is you, you think you know what you need, but God knows what you need. And he knows you need to be in community. And so being there corporately and believing that God has uh, something there for you that, that is going to grow you and change you in ways that you don't even realize uh, if, if, if you neglect that, if you rebel against that, then you're, you're not going to be better for it. I know if you, in the moment you feel like it's going to be better if you stay at home because of the crisis, you need to rest. But what you need is God's word, God's people. Uh, I, I love this article. I don't know if you saw this uh, that came out um, online recently on Justin Taylor's blog. He just uh, quoted uh, from his, his personal pastor uh, from New Covenant Bible Church. Uh, his pastor's name is David Sunday. And he talks about why it's so important to be at church. And so I want to read this because I think that it speaks to you the question that you're asking about why it's detrimental not to be at church, but why it's so important to be there. Okay, So he says this, well, Friends, do you realize how vital it is to gather here together on the Lord's Day, Sunday after Sunday? Satan loves to isolate us. This is a killer. Don't neglect to gather together with God's people in worship. You're here today, but your presence here today is not just for today. It's for five years from now. 20 years from now, it's, it's for a time when you may find yourself alone in a cancer ward or isolated from, from Christian fellowship in a desolate place or in prison for your faith or in a terrible turmoil within your soul or alone at home in the middle of the night after you've buried your loved one in the ground. And he says, these are seeds that are being planted today in your heart that, you, that may blossom into full fruit, uh, may not blossom into full fruit until many days from now. But your attendance in worship, your participation in baptism and the Lord's Supper and confession and praise and thanksgiving and singing and intercession and hearing, the preaching of God's word is all being woven together by God's sovereign grace. And so you see what he's saying. He's saying it's, it's not just for today. 
but there are ways that God's cultivating his word and these experiences so that you will have what you need in the future too. So it's about today, yes, but it's also about years from now or yep. days from now. And so we, we tend to know um, what we need, like I said, but God knows exactly what we're going to need. And, and we don't even realize that there was something we needed until maybe even years from now. We think, oh, wow, that sermon that I heard, and you remember it, and that's what you needed there in that moment to believe mm-hmm. and walk by faith. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's integral as well. So we want to encourage people that when they are struggling to not abandon the very means of grace that God provides them, uh, so much of what comes through the local church and the ministry there. And, and for folks that are struggling, maybe they go into formal counseling, that they need to be a part of a local church as, as God's main vehicle of ministry to them. Is that a good summary? I think so, absolutely. And, and just knowing, too, that it is a matter of your relationship to God, mm-hmm. not just to these people, yeah. but as you don't... Um, come and you don't engage in the one another as you as you neglect that it is a matter of disobedience mm-hmm. and so yes the other people at your church are going to miss out on what you have by the power of the spirit to give them mm-hmm. that's huge mm-hmm. but ultimately it's a matter of you're now disobeying your god mm-hmm. who has loved you and saved you by the blood of the son and that's so right. you got to remember that that it, it, I say it that starkly because it's true and I don't want you to experience the the pain the struggle uh, the hardship of of running from God in this way and mm-hmm. thinking it's optional. Mm-hmm. So people that are listening to this, uh, Sunday is coming, right? And uh, you and I have young families, uh, so uh, one of the things we both do is we're preparing our children for corporate worship, you know, Saturday night or, or at some point before Sunday. And uh, people are listening to this, and uh, hopefully they're preparing for corporate worship later on this week. Um, how can Christians prepare for the worship service in order to maximize both their spiritual growth and the growth of other people that they're going to encounter in their church service? I love that. That's extremely practical. I think we need to, to plan for Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I forget where I read it first, but uh, Sunday morning begins on Saturday night, mm-hmm. right? So uh, doing things like reading the text ahead of time mm-hmm. to be fam- familiar with it. So that you know what the lay of the land is before the preacher dives in and starts wandering through the trees, right? Mm-hmm. So read the text ahead of time, and and maybe if if uh, you don't know what that text is, you know, if, you know, find out. Maybe you, you can ask some of your church if we can start getting an email ahead of time. Wh- what's that text going to be so that I can prepare my heart for worship? So that's that's key. Um, also, I'd say confess sin. Uh, you come to the Lord in prayer and and ask Him to examine your heart. And see what sins you need to confess so that your heart is ready. It's, it's, it's pure. It's ready to receive the word of God. And um, also, if you need to reconcile with anybody, do that too. That, because you want to be freed up spiritually to get as much out of the worship service as possible. So reconcile with anybody you are, you're at odds with. Get enough sleep. <laughs> I, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a joke, but we all know it's, it, it's easy to fall asleep on a Sunday morning. You've had a busy week. And if you've had that busy week and, and you didn't get enough sleep on Saturday night because, you know, that was your, your night off, then uh, you can start nodding off on a Sunday morning and miss out on the glory. And I, I don't want that for people. And it, it is important. So get enough sleep. And, um, you know, you can get too much sleep. You can you know, sleep 10 hours and maybe you feel groggy or you can, you can sleep uh, um, you know, so little time that you keep falling asleep during the worship service. So get enough sleep. I also say real practical things about, you know, if you have to, so you're not as busy as usual on a Sunday morning, because you, know, you can 
you come into the worship service and you're just frantic because it took uh, you so much to get there. Kids, you know, you need to be, they need to be uh, dressed and ready to go and everybody's got to be there. You got to make sure that you're there on time and you fly into the worship service and you sit down and your heart's nowhere near ready to worship the Savior. And so I'd say, lay out your clothes the night before. Do something like that. Iron your clothes. Do as much as you can do on Saturday night and get ready so that it's not as hectic on Sunday morning. And the drive there can be very strategic too. Just uh, and Maybe you're, you're praying together as a family or you're listening to, uh, to worship music to get your heart in the right place. Those things are very practical. Um, I, things to, to also do in, in terms of preparing might be something like this. Uh, and this is just a suggestion. It's, it's optional. But um, if you find yourself distracted by having the Bible on your phone because there's notifications and you could do just about anything you want to do during the worship service while you're supposed to be listening to the sermon, maybe consider bringing a physical Bible to the worship service instead so that you don't have that distraction. It's, I, what I'm trying to say is free yourself from as many distractions as possible. And we can be very distracted by everything that's on our, our tablet or our phone. Now, if, if, if it's not a problem for you, great. That's, that's awesome. If you really utilize technology in that way. I know for me, it would be hard you know, to, to have an electronic Bible. So consider you may need to bring a physical Bible. You know? So it's just, that's something to think about us too because we want to make sure that we are um, getting the distractions away so that we can properly engage with the Word of God and, and with all the means of grace that God has for us there. So good. So. Very, very practical. Very helpful. Well, Brent, I appreciate the opportunity to have uh, this conversation with you about uh, how important the worship service is, uh, both for our own growth and for the help of others that are growing. So thank you so much for your time being here. Lord, continue to bless you in, uh, in your ministry. Oh, praise God. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Counsel the Word, the podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. CBCD strives to be a blessing to pastors, local churches, and individual believers by providing discipleship and biblical counseling-related training and resources to help address the challenging problems of life. For more information, please visit the CBCD website at thecbcd.org.